Hello, everybody. Live from Los Angeles, California, on the late fall, it is the Ozone. I'm your host, Omar Miller, coming to you live from my living room. And my brother, the Icons, who's coming to you live from Ozone headquarters with his fancy banner. Um, you have one. Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, I am. I'm defunding ozone right now we're gonna see if we can refund it soon because we got some killer guests coming up because boxing is on fire and we're looking at the eight-time world champion featherweight current uh, i do believe it's wba and wbc champion jelena Marjinovic, who's fighting tomorrow night is going to join us and speak about her upcoming fight and the battles that it took to get her for, uh, to to get on back on the saddle if you will for this fight and we have a special guest, which uh, is Triple G's promoter, Tom Luffler's here. We're going to hear what he has to say about Triple G's fight that's coming up and possibly a trilogy with Canelo. Exciting times. we got some interesting news in Major League Baseball that a surprise announcement I woke up to this morning that I was very happy about, and basketball is upon us. So without further ado, we will jump right in and get to our guest, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Luffler. It's been a it's been a little while, Big O. It's good to see you and Terry. And uh, you know, normally you guys would be at the Hollywood shows, and we'd see you at the big, uh, you know, the big fights. But um, you know, we've taken a little bit of a break now with the pandemic. No fans uh, allowed in the arenas, but we're excited. Triple G, I'm I'm here in the bubble. You see the Triple G uniform. I'm here in the bubble, and we're at the Hard Rock Casino in Florida, and we're just excited that he's back in the ring on uh, on Friday night on the Zone. We got Triple G and we got Ali in, in the uh, in the uh, on the on the on the card, right? So talk That's to right. us, man. Let me let me fill you in real quick on where we were. What okay. were you going to say? Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I mean you you hit it right on the head. Uh, a lot of people uh, aren't that aware of Ali Akhmedov, but uh, you you followed him, and and he's actually fighting for a world title. He's fighting for an IBO world title at super middleweight against undefeated uh, Gongora uh, Southpaw. So he that was kind of short notice, two weeks. They had to switch everything up, so that's that's going to be a tremendous fight on on that show. Don't uh, everyone needs to tune in for that? It's actually be early. I don't know if you announced the times, but Triple G, the main event, supposed to be on eight o'clock East Coast time, which is five. Oh wow, wow. Well, man, you froze a little bit, but from what I gathered, we got eight p.m. East Coast time for Triple G, three yeah. p.m. Ring Walk for right. Ali. Uh, and, and that's on the zone. So I'm going to have to pull up the app at, while I'm on set. I happen to have a there day off today. And uh, <laughs> that's why we're trying to jam it in. But I'm going to have to see if I can get it, get it projected in between scenes and watch my man get out there to that white stripes and put in some work. How you been, man? How's the, how's the, uh, the pandemic situation been for you? Uh, it's okay. It's, uh, you know, it's definitely challenging. Uh, we'd naturally be a lot more active in terms of uh, the other shows. Triple G was supposed to fight in April and then everything got pushed back, even the dates, you know, from September to October to November to now December because DAZN launched their international app. So, you know, we're really, like I said, we're just excited that he's finally in the ring. Um, Ali's in the ring, you know, working with a couple other fighters. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a break, but hopefully with everything uh, coming together that uh, 2021 will be a big, a big year. Right. Now, does that help with his conditioning and recovery with him being, having that time off right now? You know, Terry, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing because uh, uh, Triple G, you know, there's no secret. He, he's an older fighter now. He's had such a legendary 
career in terms of uh, so many world title defenses. This is actually be a, uh, a record for the middleweight division. This will be his 21, 21st uh, title defense, uh, which would set a record uh, if he's successful um, on, on Saturday night. He's also fighting undefeated fighter uh, Zaramenta. It's his IBF mandatory. But, um, uh, you know, he, with the break, I think both physically, uh, it's probably good for him, but also it gives him more time with Jonathan Banks, uh, his new trainer. Uh-huh. So yes. they, they've been point. in camp for a long time getting ready for this fight. And whenever you switch trainers, you know, he had that long relationship with Abel Sanchez. And mm. whenever you switch, you know, Jonathan's the type of guy who learned from the great Emmanuel Stewart and uh, guided the career also in the corner of Vladimir Klitschko brings a lot of world-class championship boxing experience with him from the Krong gym. And so naturally he has a different style uh, from a training perspective and, you know, to impart his wisdom on Triple G uh, with this break, it, it gave him a lot more time to be together. And I think you're going to see uh, a hungry, rejuvenated uh, Triple G in the ring on, on Friday night. And now this is the third fight with them as a duo with him and Jonathan, right? You That's had right. Steve Rolls, you had Derevchenko, and right. now you have this fight. Right, Derevchenko, arguably one of the fights of the year uh, uh, for last year. Oh, man, year. That, that was a war. Jeez, that was a tough yeah, fight. Was. And, you know, you got to see, and T and I have talked about it a lot, Derevchenko is no punk, man. He's nobody's right. toy. And you can see uh, why it was so hard for him to get fights because he's definitely the banana peel. And, you know, if it wasn't for Gennady getting that knockdown early, it right. could have been trouble for him. Yeah. And I think the extra time is great for him to recover and to come out and, and to go out of the game the way he wants to go out of the game. Right. You know, like you said, he's an older fighter now. He's got nothing left to prove. Yet he's an older fighter now. And I the, the, the power is the last thing to go if it ever goes. And that means he's always going to be dangerous. Always, yeah, always. You, know, uh, you and Terry know Gennady personally, and, and you know he, he, his lifestyle is very clean living. He doesn't go out, doesn't hang out and party and, and things of that nature. He's really focused on his boxing career, his sports career. He knows uh, naturally boxing is, is a sport. It's not a game, and you always yeah. got to be sharp. And he wants to go out exactly like you said. He wants to go out on his own terms. Uh, he's not talking about retirement right at all. You know, He wants to uh, defend his titles here. Then there's uh, – you know, whether it's a Canelo fight next year or one of the other uh, champions at, at 160, even if there's a big opportunity at 168 potentially. But, um, you know, he's a big puncher. You, you see what George Foreman did, one of the biggest punchers in the heavyweight division at, at 45. George yeah. Foreman came back and, and knocked out Michael Moore. Um, and Late, and, too. Uh, <laughs> wanted a quitter. Yeah, and, and, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, with the power being the last to go, Gennady is one of the biggest punchers that I've seen in, in boxing. And I, I think you're going to see a lot more knockouts left in, in, uh, in his career. And that fist and fist of fury. Yeah. Well, the eyes are going to be watching this weekend. I don't think it's an accident that we get Gennady on Friday and then we get Canelo on Saturday. Uh, you know, people still want to see the trilogy. You have a lot of people who felt like Gennady won the second fight as well as clearly that he won the first fight. And there's a lot of people who still want to see the fight. In all honesty, it seems like Canelo is the only person who doesn't want to see the fight. And, uh, at, and I, in all honesty, now that makes no sense because he has all the advantages at this point, but he's got his hands full on Saturday with Callum Smith. So I'm interested to see what both guys can do. And yeah. if they end up, you know, tussling with each other. But what I wanted to say to you was, to catch you up to where we were, we were recapping the Shakur Stevenson fight this past weekend. Did you happen to catch it? 
Okay. Uh, you know, I was traveling. Uh, I was traveling on, on that day, but uh, I, I'm, I'm very impressed with what Shakur is doing. Uh, you know, he's, he's building his fan base, definitely uh, sharpening his skills. They're putting him in with tougher opponents now. So uh, I really like to, I really like him as a young up and coming fighter. And I think he's got uh, great potential. Uh, ahead There's of no doubt the kid's talented. And I mean, yeah. very talented. That, that's not even in question. But what we were talking about was it, when you get the chance to catch the replay of the fight, it's a route. And I mean, it's a, from the word go, the guy produces no threat whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really competitive. My it wasn't really competitive. My question is this, and you just answered part of it with what you said. As somebody who promotes fighters, who manages fighters, what is, what is the responsibility that you have to bring your fighters along at the right pace, not too fast, but not too slow, so that it stunts their growth? What, what, how, do you, how do you gauge that kind of thing? You know, it's, that's kind of been the equation of boxing for a long time. You want to build your fighters' confidence. You want to build your fighter's experience as he's there, as they're moving up. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't do your fighter any good or, or, you know, young fighter any good. If they're 20 and 0 with 18 knockouts and haven't fought anyone, then by the time they get in with their first real test, a lot of times uh, they'll be overmatched. Um, you know, Ali Akhmedov is a perfect example. Um, it would have been nice to get one more step before this fight here, but because Ali was off the whole year and this was a, an opportunity for a world title fight, you know, he went in there. He's fighting a Southpaw, undefeated guy, Gangora, uh, a tough guy. I think it's going to be a great test for, for Ali. Um, but, you know, there's, I'm working, I'm advising a Fernando Vargas's son, uh, Fernando Jr. He's actually fighting on the same day. I don't know if you caught that. Uh, Jr. is fighting the same day as uh, Triple G. He's down in, in Merida, Mexico on ESPN Knockout. And uh, there was a lot of criticism when, you know, talking to Fernando Sr. <coughs> about he potentially was moved too quickly uh, with his potential. And uh, um, so you don't want to overmatch your fighter too early either. So it's a fine balance. Um, sometimes you got to take the opportunity when it's there. Look at what right. Canelo and uh, Floyd. Clearly, mm -hmm. Canelo wasn't ready for that Floyd Mayweather fight. He was totally outclassed. By Floyd, which isn't, you know, Floyd is the master of the game. But right. um, yeah. you see Canelo. And he knew that he was fighting a kid. Right oh, yeah, for sure. And yet at the same time, you also can see the development of Canelo through that loss. Right. Right. So that certainly I, helped him out. What I meant to say there is not that he shouldn't have taken the fight because I know Canelo wanted Yeah, no, fight. no, I get it. It was a big opportunity for him, um, both financially, which is, was one of the biggest pay-per-views uh, of our time. Um, and there was no embarrassment from that fight. Uh, he clearly lost the fight. But, um, you know, that was a, a stepping stone for him, a learning experience. He hasn't, a lot of, you know, hasn't lost since. You know, I agree with you that, uh, that he, he, it was pretty clear to me that the, the first Triple G fight he lost. Uh, second yeah. Triple G fight. I, I, I don't think anybody you know, will argue that. You know, even the most ardent, the most ardent Canelo fans know we lost that fight. And and to have one judge score it, uh, oh, Adelaide two, Bird, forget about it. That's I mean that that I I don't know how, <laughs> how you come up with a score like that. But anyway, it, it just there was a lot of controversy for the first fight. Second fight, you got to give Canelo credit; he did do better. It was a closer fight. Um, I still had Gennady winning. Uh, you know, seven rounds to, to five. HBO had him uh, eight to four. 
draw would have been okay because Gennady would have kept his titles. Um, but again, you know, it's, it's one of those age old things that, uh, you know, the fans want to see a third fight because there was so much controversy in the first, the first, uh, two fights. Gennady's not, you know, he's getting all these, uh, questions about Canelo. He's not focused on Canelo anymore. He's defending his title his mandatory defense now on Friday. If the fight happens, it's great. He was ready for it last September when DAZN was was thinking it was going to happen, and then Canelo chose to fight Kovalev, uh, who was at 175 pounds. On paper, it looked like a good matchup, but clearly Canelo knew that was an easier fight for him than Triple G, who pushed him, you know, to the limit. Uh, you got to give Canelo credit; he learned a lot from the Triple G fights. You can't take anything away from him. I just you know, wish oh, yeah. those uh, decisions or scoring were a little more accurate uh, in, in those two fights. Yeah, boxing has a, a way of uh, rubbing people the wrong way <laughs> or the right way, depending on how you bet that night. Yeah. And well, you know the what? only it's... defined, uh, the you know, true outcome is a knockout. Yeah, it seems like they corrected their scoring a lot after that last Triple G fight, it seems like the, the scoring has been off a little bit, but not as much as it had been when, that triple, when triple G fought Canelo the second time. You know, it seems like it's sort of correcting itself. It's not as bad. We've seen some bad decisions, but we haven't seen something as bad as the first fight when we saw Triple G fight Canelo. Oh, there's been some pretty lopsided decisions, especially. Yeah, the, but, uh, but, you know, usually it's the norm. You would see a fight that goes the distance and then we would have an outcome. Like, say, with Errol Spence when he just fought that. There, it would be some kind of suspense to that if if he's going to get the proper call, but we're seeing that actually the judges pulled through this as of late. I think, I'll give I him credit I for that. I think sometimes, that and that's the unfortunate thing, Terry. You kind of hit it on the head. You know, you're you're kind of like pleasantly surprised that the judge right. got it right. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Which, which is which is crazy. It's unfortunate for the sport of boxing. Unlike football, you know, if the score is forty-one to forty, you know that team won. Now there might be some controversy on a call. Maybe there was a blown call. Like in you know a couple of those football games late, but you know or basketball game if 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 the score is one hundred two to one hundred that team won. In boxing, it's all subjective, and unfortunately, with with three judges, if if one judge has a bad night, usually if you have two judges that you're pretty confident in that that'll score the right way. And look, if if a guy that I'm working with loses, then okay, you make the concession, you congratulate the other guy like a gentleman. And you move forward, but it, it's really unfortunate, especially at the higher stage when when there's a score that's that far off. It really turns off the mainstream fans who are used to saying, yeah. "Okay, this guy won. I saw Triple G won, but he lost the decision, or he got a draw." And then it, it just creates. It, so it's much a to, cannibalization of the of the sport. You know, right. it's. A, I think you could even take that as a, a and watch how that plays out now in American democracy, because with the way that the the president is behaving after his loss. And it's it's shaking a lot of people's uh, confidence within the process itself of democracy. And in that same vein, when there's a decision that everybody sees that was one way and it doesn't go that way, it's, it's just bad for the sport. I still maintain. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's some parallels there. <laughs> I, I still maintain that there's no way that boxing should be the only sport on the planet that you don't know if you're winning. There's no other sport on the planet where you don't know what, there's something to the suspense right. of the outcome, but there's also something to be able to be clutch. If you know, you need a home run. Right. If I know I need a home run, I'm no longer trying to get a single late. I got to right. actually put the ball over the fence. And not like in boxing where they, the, you have to depend on the, the, the corner to say, Hey, listen, we need a knockout. And they don't right. really know if you need a knockout. They don't know but either. Just, yeah, yeah. They don't know either. 
You know, I'm personally in support of open scoring. I know the WBC has that mm. internationally. Uh, like when we're doing a lot of the Klitschko fights, uh, they would announce the scores. And then, you know, okay, it, what's going on? Or uh, I'll give you a perfect example. In that first Canelo Triple G fight, if there were open scoring, I'm sure the commissioner would have gone to that judge and say, are you sure you know, this is going the right direction? Because, you know, everyone's seeing it a different way, you know, not to influence the judge. But if you look, everyone has a bad night. I understand that. But, you know, when you're being paid specifically to watch 12 rounds of boxing and you're the only one on the planet seeing it one way, there's just something there's something that that's off. And uh, uh, and and if you know you're behind on the scorecards, just like you said, if you need a knockout in the 10th or 11th or 12th round, then you can you can make an adjustment. Some people, you know, feel like it puts pressure on the judges because then it's open scoring, whatever. But I, I really think, you know, like you said, you know, in the fourth quarter of a football game or two minute drill or whatever, you need to score a touchdown. You're gonna go for a hail mary, or you're gonna throw a long pass instead of running the ball when when uh, right. you know you can't get uh, long yardage. So I think you, it definitely adjusts uh, the game plan, and, and at least the people know, the corners know, the fighters know, you know where they stand during the fight. Yeah, it's cost a lot of fighters that way too. Cost Oscar De La Hoya big that way. Yeah. Yeah. Not but UFC to, also you know, has had its controversial uh, decisions, so we can't only blame boxing. It just seems that when you have human uh, judgment scoring a fight, and and you know most of the time they get it right, but they're professionals. They're supposed to get it right. That's why I don't. You're supposed that should be the standard. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's so many, so many uh, controversial decisions out there. I agree. And yeah. the first thing, the second thing they need to do besides open scoring is make it an odd number of rounds. It, you're, you're automatically setting yourself up with the even number of rounds. Right. That, that, Just that mathematically. Yeah, that could help. But, but you know, look, whatever to that, you didn't come on to talk about that. What no, I want to talk to you about now, <laughs> real quick, is I, I got a little spy and I heard you and Dougie Fisher been running around doing push-ups, sit-ups, and pull-ups in the park and I see your face is leaned out. What's going on down there in Santa Monica? But how many how many pull-ups you up to? Well, you're right. Every Sunday we do a, we do a video just kind of talking about, you know, it's very impromptu, unstructured. Unlike you guys have a professional show, you know, we're just there with the phone at the park or at the track, uh, you know, talking about, you know, he's the editor-in-chief of Ring Magazine, and he's he's literally has a photographic memory. You, you ask him about fighters that fought in the 40s, the 50s, 60, or their opponent, what, he, he knows the answers, or at least 90% of the time he knows the answers of a fighter that I've never even heard of. You know, my, my knowledge goes back to, like, late 80s, early 90s, but he goes he goes way back there, but, uh, you know, whether it's a jumping rope or running the track or pull-ups, uh, and I, you're right. I have leaned out a little bit because during the pandemic, I can see it. you know, restaurants were closed and I don't, I'm not a big <laughs> cook myself. So <laughs> so a, you'd rather just not eat? I would eat like once a day and then I'm good. And so I, I lost about 15 pounds over the pandemic, which is good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that part of, uh, of the whole situation. Try to make the best of the, of the situation. Nice. Good on you, man. Well, tell the people where they can follow you on uh, Twitter, on Instagram, because I know there's a lot of people who are interested in what you have to say and, and actually being you. And there's a lot of people who want to end up right. in the promotion side and, and learning about the business. And you always drop jewels and nuggets all over your, your Twitter handle. So tell the people where they can find you. No, I appreciate that. Uh, it's pretty easy on social media. It's Tom Loeffler one both on Twitter and on uh, Instagram. 
Um, you know, don't miss. I just want to remind everyone to zone Friday night, the early start times, Triple G Promotions, naturally Triple G's fighting Zarameda, Ali Akhmedov, who's with Triple G Promotions, uh, on, on the undercard of, of that fight, he's fighting early, 3 p.m. Uh, L.A. time. I also work with a couple other up-and-coming fighters. Uh, sorry, Boachuk, who's 18-0, 18 knockouts from Ukraine. Um, oh. He's an up-and-coming uh, tremendous fighter in uh, Brian Ceballo. Brian just fought on that NBC Sports Network uh, series on Ring that City. Ring City. So, yeah. So those guys. And, yeah, and, we're actually uh, we're, we're, we're going to have a conversation right after you with uh, Jelena Marjinovic to talk about her fight tomorrow night. You know, that's interesting uh, on Ring City. you can ask Jelena. I know her for a long time from the WBC, and she's a tremendous person, tremendous ambassador for the sport of boxing and tremendous champion, WBC and WBA champion. But she's trained by Jonathan Banks, who was out here training Triple G. So actually, Jelena was out here with Triple G training. So you can ask her not only about her fight and her career, but also uh, maybe get some insights on the training because she saw the training with Jonathan and uh, Triple G and, and Ali. So that, that's a good uh, tie-in. I'm excited to see her uh, in the ring on NBC Sports. On uh, that, That's on Thursday night, I believe. Yeah, yeah that's that's tomorrow night. Yep. All right. All right, Tom. Well, thanks for joining us, man. You are a friend of the Ozone. You're always welcome. Good luck on Friday night. You. Thanks for making time and can't wait to get back over there to the Avalon and get some more 360 promotion fights under our belt. Uh, it's good to see you, Big O and, and Terry and... Uh, Hope to see you in person when all this comes down, maybe after the holidays. You know, we'll get together. You guys are in L.A. I'm in L.A., so we'll have to definitely uh, meet up at some point. Definitely. Be safe in the bubble, man. All right. You guys take care. Let it jump. Good. It really is a tricky situation when it comes to uh, that bringing the fighters along. You know, right. that, that's a that's that's a especially if that's your situation, call. right? Yeah, he's in the same situation with Ali. So. It could turn out to be a barn burner, or it could turn out to be a dud, and for, that could be from the 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 challenger or the you know the champ. Yeah, but I mean, neither one of them are the champions. I think it's a vacant belt, so that's that's oh, the it, tricky part. Oh wow, okay, I didn't know it was a I vacant do belt. That, that's why he was saying that it's he's fighting for the super middleweight championship. The guy, that's what he just said, is that the guy that's the southpaw was a late replacement. I do believe that's what he was saying. I thought Ali was a late replacement. Oh, maybe so. Maybe I maybe I read that wrong. Uh, but but he's in for he's in the grease now. I know that much. <laughs> well, the kid stays in shape. He's always ready to go. It looks like it when we yeah. see him. So I, every, I, time. <laughs> every time he looks like he's ready. To, yeah, ready, ready to fight when we see him. <laughs> like, hey man, I don't want it. I don't want no smoke. I'm good. <laughs> I, don't want, <laughs> I don't want no smoke, joke. <laughs> yeah, he's always ready. Happy to see G back in the ring. Uh, that's the best. And, uh, yeah, really interested because uh, Jelena did change trainers uh, uh, by force out of tragedy, and she's now in the Jonathan Banks uh, uh, training orbit. And I'm interested to see what she has to say about the transition, about the situation. In the interim, huge weekend in boxing last weekend. Wanted to speak about uh, the headliner fight of last weekend in a lot of ways was the Shakur Stevenson fight. You had very strong feelings about it. What was your take on the young man and his fight and what fights like that do with him? I don't feel like those kind of fights are going to ever build him up to where they want him to be. He needs to be out there with talent that maybe not as an elite, but talent that's going to teach him something. What he did the other night wasn't anything that's going to, I feel like produce any kind of growth in his, you know, 
walk to to the star of fame as as they want to call it but he's not he's not there yet and he won't get there if they keep plugging him and playing him with these weak fights that was uneventful it was unnecessary honestly i felt like and even uh timothy bradley and them felt like that you could have stopped the fight at any time because the guy wasn't competitive no he wasn't competitive he tasted the power and he had a hard time finding him and that was that was enough for him and that guy had a, a pretty impressive record to be honest Right. And I just not to bash the coach Stevenson, but I just don't feel like that's that's doing him any kind of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You're saying it's not on him. Yeah, it's on, his, on him. The, the matchmakers and whatnot is his managers to find the fights that actually make sense. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to argue that because that fight was not exciting or titillating in any way. Although I will say this about the young man. He stays active. Because as they mentioned on the broadcast on ESPN, that he was the first person to fight uh, in the bubble. Mm -hmm. And he was actually, I do believe, the first sporting event that jumped back on. He jumped in and got busy. Again, like most of the time, I don't think it's the boxer. No. I don't think the boxer is scared. I don't think anything less of the boxer. I think that, you know, with the matchmakers and with the promoters, you have to handle these guys a certain way with to make gloves? sure that you don't move them too fast. He actually is a kid. I mean, he's 23 years old. How about this Anthony Joshua fight that we saw this weekend? Very, we love very. Anthony Joshua. Let's uh, let what, what, what do you that out there about the situation? <laughs> we off the top. Let's get that out there. Uh, you know what? I just like him because not just because of his boxing, but he's always trying. Even though he might not do it, he always tries to say or do the right thing. You know because. He's a he's a guy that actually it seems like he gets a lot of hate because he tries to keep it positive, whereas a lot of guys are braggadocious or or slick talkers or do things that are really outlandish and they get a, a lot of pub. He tries to stay the straight and narrow, looks like it, and I I really respect that. But the fight against Pulev was it was a good fight. I felt like he made a lot of mistakes. I feel like if he falls in love, which I don't think that he would, if he fell in love with the uppercut like he did against Pulev, that I mean, <laughs> okay, you hit him with an uppercut. What? No, I got to hit with it four of them. I got a lot of guani. Guani, oh, guani. you can. What's up? He was all, uh, man. He went in. He sold out for the uppercut. That uppercut also make you laugh and make you cry. That uppercut would get you put to sleep, Bass Buster Douglas. Especially the big boys. And, it, and and if Pulev, I'm sure Pulev rewatched the fight and was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't think he was going to keep throwing it. <laughs> but, Pulev, but Pulev got rocked so early that he got, come and rock me up my day. <laughs> they gave it yeah. to him. He found out. There was no they. <laughs> Anthony Joshua gave it to him. And he, that, that last shot he gave him, though, was a, almost a perfect punch. That shot that he put him to sleep with. He was asleep before he hit the, hit the floor. Yeah, he was I mean, already punch drunk, but that was a nice extension on the one-two. He measured it up with the jab, and he extended with the right. Now, this is what I'll say, and Lord knows that I love me some Anthony Joshua as well. I feel like I watch Anthony Joshua. I'm still not crazy about the way that he takes punches. And he seemed more confident about taking punches pre-knockout with Andy Ruiz, which is completely understandable. Uh, but when Pulev did hit him, I was consistently concerned, even though Pulev wasn't necessarily a threat. Everybody's a threat at the heavyweight level, you know, so there's, there's that. But you understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And the fight that everybody wants to make is the fight against him and the Giant, against him and Tyson Fury. And watching that fight, now this is what I will say. 
all of this time off, I don't think is the move for anybody because everybody gets some version of rust, you know, and, and I don't think that when you're working at the highest, highest levels, you need to be in tune. You need to have fought within the last six months before you have a big fight. Uh, I, I don't think you, you want to actually have a lot of time off when you're fighting the more dangerous fighters um, because sparring can only give you so much. It's like taking bed practice. But, but with Anthony Joshua, yeah. I, I have to say about him is that his resume is better than all of the heavyweights probably put together if you look at his resume because since he has so many belts, he's always fighting mandatories. So if you go through the list of the top 10 uh, fighterweights, he's fought all of them probably except for Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. And it's not his fault. Tyson Fury fell out of the, out of the sport for a little while. And Deontay Wilder was, I don't know what you want to call it was elusive at that, at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, Perry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I definitely think that the bomb squad, I mean, he, he admitted as much now when he's trying to get this fight again with, Fury, which is still the most bizarro thing in the world that he wants his fight after the clause passed. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so, so, but he even admitted that he was, he was offered more money to fight, uh, Anthony Joshua that he turned down to fight Tyson Fury. And now the one person that we can say without question that has not and is not ducking anybody is Tyson Fury. That's what we do know. And that guy just seems to like to fight. All of the Furies seem to like to fight. It's just par for the course for them. But he's in for it now. They're both in for it. And I think you're looking at the definitely uh, the fight of this century when they make this happen. In Hopefully in London. I would prefer to be in London than to the Middle East. And hopefully with fans. Because with these guys with the two biggest fighters in UK history, potentially fighting each other with all of the belts on the line that actually should be in the, the country where, <laughs> where they're from. Right. And where they draw a humongous. Um, I fans. mean, each one of these guys brings out 80 to a hundred thousand people. Which is you crazy. saw it when we went to Vegas yeah. just in February before the shutdown, how many fighters there were that, I mean, how many, how many fans from the UK came to watch yeah. him fight Deontay Wilder? That place was packed. I mean, bumper to bumper with UK drunk Brits. Now, now, one of the things that I have to say about Tyson Fury is not a knock on him, but the, I feel like he's an above average boxer. And Anthony Joshua has flaws, but he has a lot of flaws himself. And and yeah. you know, he just beat the guy that everybody was afraid of. That doesn't still doesn't make him the best fighter, the best heavyweight. Not in my book, because like I said, I, I go saying because the guy that everybody was afraid of had a lot of flaws. Yeah, turned out to had, be a one-trick pony at this e- point. Exactly, and he had a lot of below-level uh, opponents. Competition on his yeah. resume, yeah. yeah. But this is where I give Anthony Joshua credit because now Deontay Wilder's got to go through his retreads pretty much. Now he's going to either fight uh, Dillian White or Andy Ruiz or, you know, some of these other guys, Joseph Parker, and all those guys will give him a all tough those fight. those guys are dangerous. And he never fought any of them, and why is that? You know, we have to question that. Why hasn't he fought any of these guys? Yeah. I gave Bomb Squad a lot of uh, leeway because there was that period where he had the four-fight stretch where everybody he tried to fight got caught on the juice. <laughs> got, got caught on the juice. That's that fear factor that said it on him. That's the fear factor. He had already won those fights. I don't care if those guys were on full vials of juice the day before the fight. <laughs> right. 
But the thing that that did in a lot of ways, I feel like that stunted his growth because it altered the trajectory of his career, despite the fact that he still won all of the fights that he was lined up for. Well, he even told us that, though, when when we spoke to him. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, you know, it's a tricky situation. Because I asked him about being the pound for pound. You know, if he, if he considered himself on that list, he was saying that he doesn't get that, you know, that experience just because he does his fights don't go either that long or he can get fights, which is crazy. Yeah, which and, was absolutely true. There, yeah, there's no, it's true. There ain't no two ways about that. It's a lot. It's a lot like the Tyson effect of things. Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there was a fight. I don't know if you caught it. There was a fight on the undercard of the Shakur Stevenson fight that was tremendous. Did you see this fight? No, I remember you were telling me about it. I, honestly, I didn't see it, but that guy had to report to the hospital ASAP, right? And that was after he won. Wow. Because they <laughs> that said was he had, after he won. Because they said he had fractured. I came in after it, and they were, they were putting him in the, the ambulance, and they said that he had fractured his uh, orbital bone orbital in, the past, in the past. Yes, the homie Nagatani. And you know who fractured his orbital bone? Who? Tiafimo. Oh, nope. <laughs> I'll, I'll play with them little dudes. There ain't even no fractures. You guys get put to sleep in my way, myself now, included. Now, Tiafimo, <laughs> that fight against Tiafimo, going back to what we were talking about with Tom about the the guesswork again in the judging. I was surprised, pleasantly surprised, that they didn't try to give that fight to Lomachenko. You know, this I is hear what, what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And, and and normally I, there would be some some sort of. Uh, suspense on whether or not they, that was going to go the right way. I right. feel like less in the Spence Garcia fight because the money is still on Spence mm-hmm. and Spence being undefeated. The money is for to create the Spence Crawford mega fight. So I feel like that maybe that's why you had lost me with that. But that's a good point with Tiafimo and Loma. Yeah, because when we were watching them read the card, you're like, oh, come on, don't rip this kid off. Don't rip this kid off. Don't rip this kid yeah. off. And they yeah. called it the way that it was, you know, it's very. Yeah. I mean, we were pleasantly surprised, which was unbelievable, which is not right. But, you know, it is what it is. It's not right, but it is what it is. All right. Let's see what we got with uh, eight-time featherweight champion of the world. Jelena Marjinovic is waiting to join us in the Ozone. So how you feeling, champ? I'm good. I'm good. I feel um, – actually, I felt great all day. I was, I was saying, Omar, I'm like – uh, weight cut wasn't bad. Um, everything, I feel great. So, you look good. You look great. Yeah, you look great. You look high energy. You yeah. look like you got some killer braids. Wow, right? she did a good job. Like it's, you know, not good. It's definitely not gonna follow. Nobody's gonna be cutting my hair in the. Mo- so the story is Milan. The very first time um, when we were sparring one day, my hair came out when we were sparring, and he looked at me. He goes, "You better figure something out for the fight," because he goes. Um, I'm probably going to cut your hair if it gets in your face in the fight. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. So like, go do something. So I, I started getting my hair braided. Funny enough, Jonathan, my hair got in my face and sparring. He goes, I hope you're going to do something with your hair because I will cut it. And I was like, what is with you guys? There you go. My hair. Okay. So that brings us right to where we want to be. We just got off the line with Tom Laughlin and he was talking about your experience with Jonathan Banks and how Jonathan isn't the kind of guy that likes to change everything and how you were in camp with Triple G and they're really excited because Triple G and Ali fight on Friday and they're fighting early and Tom wanted to make sure that that was known and when we told him that you were coming on he was really pumped up and one of the things that we wanted to talk about was how Jonathan and you came to connect 
And obviously, it was a, a forced trainer change for you. And just wanted to speak a little bit about the fight you have tomorrow night versus Torres and how you got to this point. Well, we want to talk about the fight for it, well, all of it. So I guess uh, my story um, is my longtime trainer, Milan, of 19 years, trainer of 19 years, second dad, super close, um, ended up having a cardiac arrest February 18th. Um, and unfortunately, he is in vegetative status. So, um, you know, it's been a long 10 months and, and uh, covid forget COVID and derailing everything. My life has been kind of derailed since February. And, um, you know, we had with now this bubble situation that we're going into and these networks uh, embracing this opportunity to show fights and show live sports, we had a lot of offers coming in, some good, some bad, some terrible. Um, and I kind of sat down and talked to Mel. I was going through a lot of depression and a lot of anxiety and, and a lot of stress. And, and, um, I said to her, I go, listen, like time is not my friend lately. And, and we all know this, that, you know, I've had 52 fights. My career been 17 years pro. Um, and if we want to continue to do this, if this is something that I want to do, I have to we have to move up. Like we have to get another trainer and move forward. I can't afford to sit and wait. And this was, this was obviously months back. Now we, we realized he's probably not going to recover. Um, and so, uh, I actually, Omar and I spoke, um, you and I spoke about trainers and we kind of had this conversation, um, throughout this whole process. And then, uh, I had the idea of hanging around with Ellie and just following him around and going gym to gym. And remember you were like, well, you should call him and like, just ask him like, and Ellie. <laughs> yeah. You want to hang out with him. Ellie, Ellie knows what he's doing. He knows everybody. All right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so randomly, and it was, it was like, it was kismet. Remember like you and I spoke about it and I had messaged Ellie randomly about something he posted laughing and he phoned me. Remember I said, I was like, you're going to be like, you're going to be so surprised. Ellie just called me. He goes, no way. Good thing you messaged him. I said, no, I actually didn't. So randomly <laughs> Ellie phoned me and we had the conversation. And so I was like, Hey Ellie, like, I'm wondering if you would mind if I come down to Ellie and, you know, just come around with you and, and uh, see if we can find a trainer. He goes, we're going to do one better. He set up sessions for me to go talk to people Gave him a heads up, gave him a warning. We went down and we talked to six coaches, or we saw four, and I got on the phone with two more. And um, Jonathan was one that I got on the phone with, and he said, actually, I'm up in Big Bear. I got to be down in L.A. tomorrow. Can you change your flight? And I said, you know what? I will. And we met, and we talked for three hours, like three wow. hours we just chatted. Um, and then I left, there was no pressure, no nothing. And I left. And then he texted me when I got home, he goes, I hope you had a safe flight. Let me know when you're ready to make a decision. And I just, and there was just something. About him. So, uh, so the road is so not that leads us to now that was just and the yeah. fight, fight number 53. Yeah. And how do you feel? Because you look great and it looks like you got some hardware back there on the bed <laughs> that, uh, that, that it seems like you came to defend. 
Yeah. What do, what do you got for Miss Torres tomorrow? So we're fighting Paola Torres and everybody keeps asking about her. I'm like, yeah, listen, like uh, everybody who comes to fight me shows up. They always do 100%. It's the best fight of their life 100% mm. of the time. Um, you know, when you have these belts on, on the bed, uh, people show up. You got a target on your back. Um, but this fight is so much bigger than Paola. Like she's going to be great. This isn't the first time I've been in with someone great um, and who's come to win, who's come in incredible shape and hungry. Um, but this fight isn't about her. This fight is about me um, starting a new foundation with a new trainer, a new coach, being able to step in with the unfamiliar, which I've been going through for eight weeks, um, and to be able to get out of this mentally and emotionally safe. So, you know, I, I've been, I mean, the whole world is challenged right now and I've been going through depression and going through anxiety and, and going through all the feelings. And so this fight is, is getting my feet wet with a new team, a new camp, and just seeing if this is something that I can still, I can still do to the highest level. If I don't win against Paola Torres, I don't deserve to be a world champion anymore. And that's just the name of the game. That's the end all be all. So, um, so this fight is about that is about saying, okay, you know, it's, it's been 14 months since I've been in the ring, which is far too long for a world champion. Um, and it's, it's all new. I mean, forget the bubble. The bubble is an element too, but, um, you know, new trainers, new style, um, you know, Yes, Jonathan doesn't like to change everything, but there's some changes. So, um, so, so this is, you know, Paola is going to come to fight. I don't care what she brings. I'm fighting way more going on up here than yeah. what she's going to do for me. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, so I, I love the mental, positive outlook, right? Uh, the battle. I, so listen, this is the thing about world champions. And when you get to this level, when you have the opportunity to fight for this belt, everybody's going to come in shape. Everybody has earned a spot to get there. Paola, unfortunately, the WBC didn't recognize this, but Paola was my number one challenger for the WBC. You know, we wanted to get a tougher fight for this to see because, I mean, there's no point in me, you know, it's funny, like, there's no point in me fighting someone that I've knocked out already or someone that I've already fought, like, um, right. you know, I wanted someone new. I wanted someone fresh. I wanted someone to challenge me. Um you know, not be the hardest challenge of my life because I'm already going through a lot, but I wanted someone who was going to make me elevate my level. Um, and so, you know, so at that point, when everybody's on even playing field, it's all mental. It's all about the will to win. It's all about who's more stubborn. And let's be honest, I am the most stubborn person <laughs> I've ever met. Um, and so and now I with that, did you find it to be helpful to be in a training camp, I would imagine for the first time with another world champion in Triple G. You know, um, it was cool. So you know, Omar, that Gennady is one of my like favorite fighters. Like I, I love <laughs> Gennady. Like I love his style. I love his tenacity. Like him and Chocolatito. Like those are my two favorite current fighters, right? So um that being said, it didn't affect my decision to go train with Jonathan, but you know, it helped. No. Maybe. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but it was super cool. Like, Jonathan 
Jonathan likes to separate. He likes to focus what he's focusing on. So, like, I think for the first, like, what was it, three or four weeks, I hadn't even seen Gennady at the gym, Gennady or Ali. Um, and, and, and I was okay with that. Cause I mean, again, as much as I love him, I'm not there to see him. I'm there to do my, yeah, yeah you're not, you're not there as a fan. No. And, and so I kind of respected that a little, I mean, I respect the hell out of Jonathan, but I respected a little bit more that he's like, listen, you're a world champion. You both deserve your own time. You both need to get to work and you both need to focus on you. And so I hadn't, I didn't see Gennady for the longest time. And then we went, we moved camps to Miami um, because obviously G's fighting tomorrow. And I still, work, I still was working out earlier. So I would work out from four to six and then the guys would come in and work out six to whatever time. Um, and so even when we first got to Miami, I didn't see him until it came time to spar. So when it came time to sparring, it was just Jonathan there. G of course had his people. And then I was helping with the sparring partners when G was training, when G was sparring. So I was like, giving the water. He's like, can you do the water? And I was like, yeah, I can do, do I get to stay and watch the sparring? Yeah, I do. <laughs> so it was cool, you know, to answer your question the long way. Um, it was cool to watch Gennady at work and, and you know that I am super passionate about boxing and, and I love the training almost more than I love the fight. I mean, I love fighting, but um, <laughs> it was cool to see G in his element and to watch the process from sparring day number one. And then you and I spoke about this, but from when Max showed up and then to the end of sparring. So it was, it was super cool to watch the process and to see one of the best punchers in the business go to work. Yeah, and he's buddy. so nice. Like, I mean, he's a nice uh, Total person. family guy, nicest guy. Nice. You would never know that, that you get in a fight with this guy thinking that you're you going to give him some problems and wind right. up in the morgue. And the alter, the alter ego yeah. shows up. Right. right. And Triple G shows up. You think you're picking a fight with Gennady and Triple G shows up. It's a no. bad look. Yeah, he's now, now he's tell nice. me this. You're coming off now of a 14-month layover, but you're coming off onto a new platform. Let's talk a little bit about Ring City USA and the idea that you chose them and they chose you to showcase this co-main event with a brand new platform on NBC Sports. Uh that when I spoke to them, their their entire um their entire theory about fights is eliminating stables having a set number of slots so that the best possible fights are made. So what, what's your take on how it's been working with ring city and what do you think about the platform moving forward? Okay. So, uh, ring city. So one of the big reasons why, um, I chose this is because a, I've never, I haven't fought in the States 52 fights. I have not fought your first time fighting in the States. Wow. First time fighting in the States. Um, the pride of Alberta. There we go. I'm just paving <laughs> the way. Um, and so one, um, it is my first fight in the U S two. Um, I think they're bringing Thursday night fights back. The opportunity for the eyes on you, NBC sports, um, I know Sam. Um, and so when he approached me with this idea, I was like, you know, I think this is, I think it's incredible what you guys are doing. You're putting up fights. Um, everybody wants to make a name for themselves. And, and essentially I have the name, but now I want to build my following and I want to build my name 
in the States so I can get these bigger fights. Uh, you know, I'm sick of going to Europe to have to fight to like defend my titles. You know, why not just come down? Like we're supposed to be neighbors, right? Yeah, um, it's a much, much shorter flight. It's very, um, and, and, you know, and much like warmer I, weather, <laughs> the weather I can do. Right. Um, I, I wanted to, um, I think it's a great opportunity. I, I think I love what they're doing. I've been watching the last two shows. Um, they're putting more of a production behind it. The people they have working for them are incredible. They have such a great team and I'm looking forward for their next year after this. So, you know, when I got this opportunity, like I said, we had, we had, when people were starting to hear about Milan and they were knocking at our door, right? Like, I mean, like the vultures always will. And, and, um, we had, like I said, we had some good opportunities. We had some terrible, um, ones thinking that I think a lot of people thought I was desperate. Um, and, and that's one thing I've, I've never had desperation in my career. I'm not about to start to have it now. Um, and this seemed like the right fit and I had a really good gut feeling about it. So, you know, at the end of the day, everything seemed to fit well. So I, I was really excited. All right. Let's talk about, we want to keep you, we know you got to fight in less than 24 hours, so we don't want to keep you all night. And we know you got nothing to do in the bubble, so you got to go get busy doing that nothing. But right. <laughs> one of the things I want to speak about uh, that I've, I've, when I met you, I met you at the Triple G Canelo fight. And one of the things I want to speak to you about is your status and the state in general of women's boxing. Because People, boxing heads, know exactly who you are, and it's you've done a lot. You've given of yourself a lot to grow the sport of women's boxing. And now it seems as though definitely more than I can remember when I, you know, when I was younger, but even as recently as, say, like 10 years ago, there's definitely more attention on women's boxing now in the mainstream than there has been at any other point, I feel like. You have some sort of a championship fight either on cable. Uh, they have women sneaking up on pay-per-view uh, cards on the undercard. You're co-maining, venting this card on a, on a great platform. NBC Sports is in probably something like 50, 60 million homes in the United States. And so what, what do you think about the state of women's boxing when you got in and the state that it's in now and the state that you want to leave it in? Well, and that's, that's kind of, that's a great question. Um, I have never, it's always been hard because I've always, I feel like I'm always fighting, right? Like you're always fighting for something all the time. So it's really hard to step back and reflect and say like, yeah, I am a pioneer of kind of what I've done. And, you know, I am um, the first ever WBC super featherweight world champion. Like in 2005, I won the first ever belt that they offered. Um, and then wow. now you you fast forward, and, and that was the thing. So in women's boxing, there's been opportunities for people, but promoters really haven't grasped onto it in the past. You know, we had Layla Ali, we had Christy Martin, we had Mia St. John, and they had the opportunities. Unfortunately, with the promoters, it didn't work out most of the time. Um, and it was bad business both ways. And, and it, it still was that we don't want to see women fight type thing. Um, you know, I was very fortunate, although I shouldn't say fortune cause I worked really hard, but I was fortunate enough that I was able to build a great fan base at home. 
which is why I've been able to have 52 fights. So, but I remember it was funny. I was talking about it when I did my interview way, way back. And um, I remember my first few fights, I was just like the sideshow, like, hey, let's put this girl on. She's going to sell enough tickets. She's not going to cost us anything. So, like, I fought for free and I had to sell enough tickets to pay for my opponent's purse. And wow. and it was uh, it was a hustle. It was a grind. And so I I um and I did that for a few fights. And it was because back then my my coach he had gotten out. He was almost out of the boxing game. He probably hated me for the longest time. Like <laughs> he had coached multiple fighters, very successful fighters. Um, and he was kind of he was promoting shows and he was done. You know. Um, and then he met me and then his life changed for the better. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, when we did it, it was a grind. So we were fighting on other people's shows. We had to pay our way for our opponent and, and, and there was no support, but every time I fought, I gained one more fan or five more fans or, um, it wasn't just, Oh, this girl's pretty and she can fight. Like it was that, Oh, this girl's learning some skills. She's developing. Oh, she can actually talk to that's kind of cool. And then it was always like a build. And so at home I had a ton of support and I still do like my social media today. Everybody's like, how do I do that? How do I get NBC sports in Canada? We don't know what we're going to do. We're freaking out. And, and, um, but I, I'm very lucky that I was able to build that foundation. Now, the U.S. has not been as supportive as women, um, but in Europe they have been. So that's why we went on the road. We had fight after fight after fight in Europe because they've been supporters of female boxing for a long time. And I would call a lot of them actually the pioneers of the sport. Unfortunately, the way the world works is unless this happened in the States, people don't think you're successful. Right. You know, and, and that's kind of the thing you guys – I have the money, you have the networks, you guys kind of run that machine. Now the UFC got involved in fighting and Dana White, they had, you know, they had Ronda Rousey and they built a marketing machine around this girl and they broke the gates open with that woman. Uh, They did. Is one of the reasons why our sport has now finally accepted as promoters and as businessmen the females. And I don't care what anybody says. The UFC is what opened those doors for us because they wow. put Ronda Rousey on the map. Everybody knows her. Now you have the Amanda Nunez's. You have the And she was the headliner. Mm-hmm. Rousey was headliner. the headliner. Yeah. Yeah. And they just like and, now Nunez is the headliner, you know? And 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 Valentina, I, I don't remember a lot. Shavank, I can't I'm gonna butcher her name, so I'm not even gonna say it. But you know, they are building shows not just around men, but around women and they're carrying them and selling them. And you're talking about the average fan, the Joe Schmo talking about how badass these women are. Talking about cyborg, talking about home, talking about all of them. Yeah, you're right. And now, you know, with that transition and females like me, the Olympics came into play. So then you had the Katie Taylors and the Clarissa Shields and and those people be able to get their name out there as an Olympian. We didn't have that opportunity. So because of women like me and like the Mia St. John's and the Layla Ali's and the Christy Martins and the list goes on and on, you know, 
they had the ability to become an Olympian. Now, now they've taken the next step and gone into the pros and they have had, they're fortunate enough that they've had promoters like Eddie Hearn um, in zone and they've had uh, Golden Boy has picked up a couple females and even Top Rank has picked up a couple of these Olympians and they're trying to ride the wave. So that is why now you're seeing more of these shows. Do I think they're the best fighters yet? I think they're getting there. I don't think that a lot of them have been tested, but they're getting there and the quality is getting there. Um, but it's been exciting to see, especially during this pandemic, that promoters and fighters, again, because the women aren't getting paid as much as the men, they're taking a chance on it because their budgets are low because there's no fans in the seats and those ticket sales aren't getting sold and they're trying to cut back. And, and it's why I'm surprised you're even seeing um, Canelo and G fighting in the next couple of days because it everybody's taking a hit right now, like the rest of the world, but you know, including these promoters. Um, and so these women's have been these women have been filling the shows because we don't cost as much. And now no. along those lines, one of the things that separates you from a lot of the other women that that are on cards and whatnot is that you actually knock people out. And that's something that you don't get to see a lot of in women's boxing. You see a lot of punching and a lot of uh, uh, hair flying around. And sometimes somebody might lose a wig or an eyelash or all some stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and you actually have the ability to to get people off their feet. I'm really interested to think uh, about the future for you, what you have in store. And do you go for knockouts or do they come to you? Listen... I, I don't know. I did an interview one time and, and I was like, if I'm not excited. So listen, I've had a lot of terrible decisions. I, I think I've had 10 losses. I think I've only ever lost three, maybe four fights in my career. And I've been on the wrong side of decisions. That's the name of the business. That's the name of sport. But in that process, I have learned that you can trust anybody. So I like to seal my own fate with those big punches. I like to sit down. I like to bite that mouthpiece as hard as I can and swing as hard as I can. Sometimes they go, sometimes they don't. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm usually, <laughs> at the end of the day, usually I am only satisfied with a knockout. Um, however, you know, like they don't happen all the time. Um, it was funny because I did, we just did all of our weigh-ins, our photos, our interviews, and and they started trying to say, well, you know, is this like, is this a case of like experience versus age? Because I mean, let's be honest, I'm 38. So they're worried that I'm getting, uh, I'm getting too old. I was I've never felt better in my life. This is the leanest, strongest I have been going into a fight, into a weight into a weight cut, into a fight, into anything. Like my shape and conditioning is not what we have to worry about this time. Um, but they they were asking me this and I stopped them and I said, yeah, you're right. The experience is going gonna, is gonna to come into effect. I said, I have more knockouts than this girl has fights. So I don't know what you want to say right now, but yeah, you're right. My experience is there. I'm like, hers is not. So when we step into the ring on Thursday, tomorrow, she is. It, it is going to be something completely different. This is not my first world, world title fight. I think half of my fights have been championship fights. This has been, I think she had one other opportunity for a championship fight. 
So, I mean, I have a lot of adversity facing me for this fight. My goal, obviously, is to, I hope, I hope I just get her out of there quick. I mean, quick, like four rounds. I want to get my feet wet. I look good. I'm lean. My hair is done. <laughs> I got to get some TV time. <laughs> I got to get some TV time, but I hope I finish this fight. Um, that being said, this girl's never been stopped. So, I mean, do I expect it? No. Do I wish for it? One million million percent but i am ready to go 10 rounds there it Ooh. is eight-time world champion the pride of alberta <laughs> edmonton in the house ladies and gentlemen the champ is here miss jelena morgenovich thank you so much for joining us on the ozone you're always welcome oh thanks you i missed you guys. watching i know right i feel like it's been forever I, well it probably has been since my last fight i think was the last time i was on yeah you called in it's when you call them 14 yeah. months isn't that yeah. crazy so crazy well at least yeah. it's time to people get to see you yeah and ready to go ready to Ooh. go you got some tv time <laughs> all right champ well thanks for stopping by we will definitely be tuned in and we will do our part to let people know about your fight tomorrow night on nbc sports last thing tell the people where they can find you on social media if they want to follow you you have a really uh, inspirational instagram account no, oh, uh, it's Jelena at Jelena Boxing. So name is J-E-L-E-N-A Boxing. So all of my socials are all the same. There it is. All right, champ. We'll see you after okay. the fight. Good luck on the knockout. God Good bless. Thank you. <laughs> see you guys. Always nice to have friends and family. Ozone. She dropped some knowledge there. Boy, that was crazy. It's a crazy experience she's had. 2005. I'm glad to hear her speak about, you know, her depression and everything because there's a lot of people so going through it right now. And it's so they won't feel like they're alone uh, because, you know, she's going through things and she's willing to put it out there so that everybody else can recognize that and, you know, know that you're not out there by yourself. 100%. That's 100% important. Let's move to the world of Major League Baseball for a minute. I woke up this morning to a somewhat astonishing announcement. Pleasant surprise. Very pleasant surprise that Major League Baseball is now going to recognize the records from the Negro Leagues, a certain sect of the Negro Leagues, I think it was 12 different uh, conferences, and recognize their records as Major League Baseball records, thus acknowledging the competition level and the glory and notoriety that those fellows who had to play under segregation were denied. That's a really big point, and I, I really want to commend them for that. Right. It's humongous and it's overdue, but at least it happened. And they admitted know. as much. Yeah, because acting like the game didn't exist when they were actually playing and probably playing above the level of the talent that was out there is just not right. I mean, Josh Gibson, Cool Papa Bell, you have so many other guys that were out there that are just never got the, the shine that they should have for being as talented as they were. Yeah. And, and I think that you have the baseline of the level of play, and then you have, just like in Major League Baseball or in any sport, then you have the people who stand out. And those standout accomplishments are now going to finally be recognized. And that just kudos to Major League Baseball, which kind of leads you, leads you into what Scott Boris came out and said yesterday during the winter meetings, which was he truly believes that Major League Baseball needs to have a CEO assigned for the game to build the game and that the commissioner – should actually just work on uh, rules, regulations, and whatnot for the game. A separate, uh, you know, a, have, have a separate set of 
jobs and and rules for the commissioner to deal with than trying to have him deal with everything. And it it would seem as though something like this is the thing that then in turn makes, you know, make that make sense. Right. I think that it would be a great idea. Um, the only, but then we would get into maybe a Roger Godell-ish type situation. No, maybe, you know, because Roger Godell is the commissioner of football, but then he's sort of, it's like the overseer as well, where he tells everybody where to come and go and how to come and go. Well, that's the problem. And I think that's that's what Boris is suggesting, is that actually what we do is we take some of – you basically split the duties of the commissioner, mm-hmm. and you have one specific duty for this baseball growth executive. And that is just figuring out and pioneering ways to make the game more possible, uh, profitable and more – uh, uh, palatable for new growth, for new places where people are interested to make them interested in the game where they may not currently be interested. First and foremost, they need to do something with the travel ball teams with all these youngsters playing bit just baseball all year long. And, you know, I feel like, and then also since they want to have an outreach to the African com- American community, they need to start making it more accessible, you know, Right now, basketball and football are completely and totally accessible to the African-American community, but baseball is hard to come by. I mean, you can't – it's not a one-on-one sport. So we used to play – me and you used to play against the garage, and our other brothers, we would play against the garage or in the backyard, but that's not – I can't go and shoot free throws or jumpers or anything and work on my game like that. It's much more difficult to work on your game alone with baseball. Mm -hmm. You need a a training partner at least. You can work on your game in basketball. There's elements of – Football and basketball, where you can work on your game. Very and interesting. Then, and then baseball is not mainstream as far as being on television. You almost have to pay to watch it, as well as paying to go to it. And not many families can afford to go to the games. And with that, they need to make it some kind of um, the accessibility needs to be changed so that kids and the families can actually go to the game and actually not feel less. And even if you had to sit up in the nosebleeds, it, w- it shouldn't be a nothing wrong with the nosebleeds. Yeah. It's still, it's still I, a great I, I day at the stadium. It. Yes. Yes. But you can't even, I mean, when a soda is 10 bucks and peanuts, five bucks and well, you need 10 for a soda. Yeah. I mean, why not? How much is it? Six seventy five, seven seventy five. It's a grip. I know yeah. that much. We rounded it to the nearest dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Which is ten from yeah. six seventy five, seven seventy five, seven seventy five. We go up to to a dime. <laughs> wow, you're a big tipper. Yeah, yeah. Hey, big spender. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. No, but there's a lot of ideas. Perhaps you can uh, submit some of them because sounds like you're pretty passionate about the issue. Very much so. I want to get some of these youngsters out there getting them throwing the ball around. Love the game. Gotta love the game. Mm-hmm. We got one last guest that we want to bring on just for a quick run through. And he is the pioneer and main uh, promoter of Ring City USA. Touchdown, Sammy. Get in here. What's up, guys? You got What's it, up, man. What are How you, you doing? To? I'm good. I'm good. Looking like you're high stress. What's going on over there? You all right? Everyone made weight. We're good to go. Everyone passed COVID. Wait. You got to fight. Good to go. Let me throw my headphones in real quick. All right. How you guys doing? Great, good man. man. We're having what? a good pod. Just got off. Matter of fact, just got off with Tom Lawler and then got off with Jelena. Awesome. So we're we're having a boxing filled pod, and uh, we just wanted. She spoke so highly of the Ring City USA platform, and we said, you know what? Let's get Sammy on real yeah. quick so he can he can really lay it on people about NBC Sports and what the idea and the concept is of the Thursday night fight. 
Well, look, we're excited to be back on NBC Sports. It's our third show back now. Uh, and I think we got probably our best card yet, competitive fights. You know, we our biggest thing coming back to NBC Sports, we wanted to provide competitive fights. And I think this show is a perfect example of that. If you look at the odds that came out, they're two to one, three to one type fights. You know, you don't see that much in boxing. So, you know, we're excited. There's going to be fireworks, I think. We got a 154-pound main event with Charles Conwell, who, former Olympian, toughest fight today, you know, coming off an unfortunate, very tragic incident two years, uh, sorry, about a year ago. Um, and, and probably his toughest fight, to not probably, 100% his toughest fight to date, uh, fighting Kazakhstan and Madiar Shkaev. We've got Jelena opening up in a co-feature. It's actually going to be at the first fight of the night at 6 o'clock, um, fighting Paula Torres. Um, who's out of Texas, number one contender in the BC. You know, tough, tough girls fought Heather Hardy, fought uh, Sydney Serrano. And Jelena is, you know, and, and again, you know, coming off another incident that is tragic and fortunate in her life. Um, and, and really her first fight back with, with a new trainer, with a new team, yeah. with a new cam. Um, and a fight we just made about a week ago in 120-pound weight division. and a guy that's 14-0, Anarak Abgarian. He's a Armenian fighter, trained by Fred Roach, who you'll see in the corner, fighting a Mexican fighter, Eduardo Baez. Uh, and then we got three more fights on Twitch. All right. Wow. So, so we, got a, we got a heavyweight fight on Twitch that's going to be on at about 5 p.m. Pacific. Um, it's um, Stephen Stephen Shaw, excuse me, Stephen Shaw against Alexander Penchuk. We got a pro debut of Calvin Davis. Whose brother's number one U.S. amateur, Keyshawn Davis. So we got a loaded card on on Thursday, and like it's it's the start of a busy weekend. Busy now, weekend. Ah, yeah. Now the Twitch the Twitch handle is that the same as the NBC? No, we uh, it's, it's Ring City USA handle. I believe it's okay. Twitch Ring City USA. We're the first boxing uh, company that is going to do fights, stream their fights on Twitch. Um, and you know we're excited it's you know i don't know if you know anything about twitch i didn't know anything till i joined uh, and then we started talking about twitch but you know, gamers are big on it and now sports are coming to it so look, it's a whole new at, world man it's a whole new world i didn't know who ninja was till i started getting into twitch and as they started saying the word ninja i'm like who the hell is ninja he's a major gamer Major gamer. So now, I'm man, out. you got kids doing ten million and up on video games. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it's you know not followers, dollars. <laughs> people playing big money, hey, selling man. out arenas back when people could get in arenas to watch them ball. And by ball, I mean play video games. <laughs> I thought people were joking when they tell me you could sell out Staples Center by doing that. I mean, no, so, they sell out Madison no. Square Garden, Staples Center. You name all it, they can sell country. it out. Yeah, yeah, all around the world. Yeah, yeah. So. Like we were having oh, that's a really smart move that you guys are doing it on Twitch. So yeah. tell the people where to find you. We're wrapping up the pod. I just wanted to get you on really quickly. Tell the people where to find Ring City on social media and on their television uh, too. Yeah, so Twitch, Instagram, Ring City USA, Twitter, Ring City USA. We, we're, you know, we're all over social. We're going to provide a lot of content for everybody, behind the scenes stuff. We're going to have stories. We've got a great interview with Jelena. We've got a great interview with Charles Conwell on our social media. Um, and you, you'll see a lot of fun competitive fights um, on on NBC on, on Thursday night, Twitch and NBC. So 
that that's the biggest thing we wanted to come back with. You know, we want to we want to bring back the the old school action based entertainment of boxing. You know, they're 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 competitive, they're fun fights, and they're going to be fighters that will be on our platform, move on to a bigger opportunity somewhere else. Uh, but you know, so no stables, you, no stables. We you know we uh, we're working with all different promoters for every single show. So for this show coming up. We got a Luda Bella fighter. We got a Kathy Duva fighter. We got a Joe DeGuardia fighter. Um, we 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 got a um, uh, who do we got? We we got a couple got a couple independent. We got a promoter out of Russia, a bunch of boxing promotions. Um, you know, we, we got everybody. So we we're mixing. We're working with all promoters. We want to make the best fights possible uh, that are out there. They're not you know Zone, ESPN, you know PBC World, and that's what we're trying to achieve. Outstanding. Well, Sam, we're with you. We will do our part to help promote the show. Good luck tomorrow night, and congrats on getting these three shows off, especially in the middle of this deadly pandemic. Hey, well, this is just the beginning. We're getting started. We'll be back next year. I want to be more on NBC. Thursday night, you know, if you have nothing to do on Thursday night, you better tune in because that's crazy. That's Besides watching the unicorn on Thursday nights, which is everyone should be doing. <laughs> uh, well, well, uh, Something that happens at, at wow. 930 local time on CBS <laughs> that everyone should do. What a jerk. I see how it is, Sam. I see how you are. All right, Sam. All right. That's a cutthroat business. Make sure you DVR everything and then watch it. <laughs> make sure you watch both because I don't want you missing either one. Dirty <laughs> <laughs> man, you know I'm in a tough business. <laughs> hey, hey, man, I, I, you know, if anyone's not watching Unicorn, they're in trouble. So I, 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 I'll make sure that they, you know we got to watch that. We got to watch the fights, and you know, and then we'll, <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna have fun doing it. So there's something to do Thursday now nowadays. Stay there at home, is. stay safe, and watch some boxing and the and Unicorn. Unicorn on CBS. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Sam. Good luck tomorrow night, man. We talk to you soon. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. Take care. Take care, guys. Thank you. Oh, man, folks. This is a full-blown, action-packed episode of The Ozone. Gonna leave you with a quote from the philosopher Confucius, which I really appreciate this one. It says, the man who moves a mountain begins by carrying away small stones. We have to persevere, folks. We're in this thing together, and it's a tough time. But we are one, and we can overcome when we're together. I'm your host, Omar Miller. I am here with my brother, Terry Miller, and this is The Ozone. Ozone. I'm just living the dream.